0: Please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, MAXPOOL. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein and high-fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris... And this is Anthony. And this is episode 296, Board Game Geeks Top 100 of 2020, Part 2. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Well, we thought we could do it in one shot. It was clearly too much. Here we are, Part 2,
0: BGG's Top 100 of 2020. It's a lot of games. You guys, it's hard to talk about a hundred games in an hour. We we were like keeping it c- quick too. It was like yeah. a minute, like a minute, boom, 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 boom. But then you realize that a hundred minutes is still like almost two hours. So it doesn't really work. See, and I
1: think one of the funny things is if you were ever had the opportunity to actually be on the recording of these things, especially early on, like if you go back when we did like a hundred of anything or 50 of anything, it would be like two hour broadcast. It'd be like, let's keep it tight. Let's keep it lean. And then next thing you know, 20 minutes on one game. And you're like, we have another 49 games to do.
0: (laughs) You remember, I will never forget this, but the the very first time we did our full top 100 with all four of us, with Daniel and Drew, and then the software wasn't working. And then we had to record it a second time. It was, we were on there for like six hours and it was a two and a half hour episode. Well, you forgot the the most important
1: point was after we realized that it stopped recording and we had to re-record it, the software again free, so I can't complain, but the software we could only record in ten minute segments.
0: Yeah, that was fun. And you would tell you would just like jump in like, nope, it's off. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Start over. I was like yeah, 20 thing- of those segments, like, oh my God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the only thing worse than actually uh, recording that was editing that. So, Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Poor guy. Whoever had to do that, man, he must, you know, stay awake at night and just cry and just cry. Ten minutes! Almost ten minutes! <laughs> so there is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on each and every episode here. So after seven years and close to 300 episodes just for this podcast, and we've done other ones, hopefully this is fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is for us anymore, but it's, uh, it's, it's still great to get this out to you. And, and again, that's how much you mean to us. So again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. Thank you all for supporting us in any way you can. Share the podcast. Let people know we are having a good time and we just want more people in on the party. So Anthony, that is what we tend to go through <laughs> when we do these podcasts. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff that's going on with Board Gamers Anonymous, and in
0: particular, BGA Live. BGA Live. Yes, sir. We got a new episode going up this Wednesday. Once again, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch us on BoardGameArena.com or Twitch.tv slash BoardGameArena. We recommend the latter because if you go directly to Twitch, you can comment and participate and be among the people who answer our questions and engage and ask questions, answer questions, etc. Um, this week, we're going to be playing Tantawakan. And, well, we're not going to be playing it. Other people are going to be playing it. We're going to be talking about it. So make sure to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to run through one of my favorite games of all time and just kind of give you a rundown of how it plays and how it runs on Board Game Arena and all the good stuff that comes with that uh, this week.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff going on there, and it's something that if you haven't had a chance to check out yet, please jump over there. We're doing so much great stuff, and we really want you to participate with us, especially me. I'm running the chat, so if you ever want to chat with us on BGA, like you're listening to the podcast right now, there's your chance. And you actually could see us. We're live. The most introverted podcasters out there are on a twitch stream if for no other reason visit for the car crash spectacle of it all (laughs) oh way to sell it man
0: yeah (laughs) hey it's 2020 you got you gotta lean in man you gotta lean in (laughs) i mean on the 2020 adjusted scale we are amazing i know uh...
1: There's no reason that should work. And we're actually doing a good job. And that's not just my mom saying that. I mean, it is my mom saying that, but it's other people too. So (laughs) come see yourself if we've actually pulled this off. And again, we wouldn't have been able to do this without all of you and your support. So please rally the troops, get over to BGA live. So Anthony, so much going on there. Obviously, we want our people there, but also we want our people's opinion. What about BGA, Board Gamers Anonymous? Anything for our listeners to be doing these this couple, coming week?
0: Yeah, I mean, real quick before we jump into that, we should mention that there is a second BGA Live on Thursday this week. So we are... If, if you're not aware, Essen starts on Thursday. Essen um, Live, Essen Digital, whatever they're calling it. And we are partnering up with Repos Productions and Board Game Arena, and we're going to be running a stream on the Board Game Arena Twitch channel on mm-hmm. Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. So a couple hours earlier than our normal, but it's an extra day. So it's a second stream that we're running. And it's going to be a, a run-through of the new Seven Wonders 2nd Edition that's up on Board Game Arena um, with the two co-founders of Repos productions and a couple members of their team over there so it's going to be we're going to be playing the game they're going to be playing the game as well so we have six of us playing we're going to be talking about the new game we're going to be talking about seven wonders we're going to be talking about essen all anything you could think of make sure you hop over there hop in the chat let us know what you want us to ask them um, it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure you hop on and uh, join us for the a special production of bga live on thursday
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Seven Wonders has always been one of my favorite games of all time. Definitely my top 100 way back when. And to have the opportunity to play the new version on Board Game Arena is tremendously fun. Not to mention with all the people from uh, reproduction. Because these are the people that, you know, I just can't wait to see their games. I love Seven Wonders Duel. I love the expansions. And I have almost everything that came out through Seven Wonders, so yeah, definitely check it out. And again, this is a special, special
0: episode, so not one of those after school episodes. This is actually fun, so. <laughs> I mean, you never know, it could become a special after school episode. We don't know where this is going to go, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's why we need your extra special help, especially in the chat for that episode. So if you love Seven Wonders. Or maybe you've never played Seven Wonders before. This is a great time to get involved with the game because, especially at this point, everything's been rebalanced. There's some new features in the game. So you are not losing out on anything, but you're really getting in on the best time possible. The game's brand new and nice and shiny. Some new artwork and just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that is Thursday again, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, It's going to be midnight over there in Belgium for these guys. So here's hoping they're like wired on five-hour energy and caffeine and loopy (laughs) as heck because we're going to have fun with them. Um, So diving into what we're doing on our end, we mentioned last week that we have episode 300 coming up. In fact, we've mentioned that like every week for the last like six weeks. We are just (laughs) four months away from episode 300 of Board Gamers Anonymous. Uh, for some reason, that feels like super big to me, like more it than does. 200, more than 250. Yeah. It's just such a big number. I've thought
1: about this a lot, and I don't know why it is. Maybe it's the just the giant round numbers of things. It feels like if you hit 50 episodes, you did a thing. You can pack your stuff up and go home. If you do 100 episodes, the industry just gives you a, a nod like, huh, OK, all right, we see you you hit 150 nobody cares because it's you know they gave you the nod you're 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 lucky if you ever get a nod <laughs> 200 all right you could kind of sit at our table but like not in the great seats 250 all right you're sticking around okay you could actually sit with the adult table but 300 i think 300 is really the new metric i don't think there's many podcasts that have actually even reached that number, not to mention seven years, but yeah, 300 for one podcast. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, you could sit down and listen to our podcast every day for 30 minutes and it would take you two years to get through all of it. (laughs) Just think about that for a second. So Yeah, and one, one, one more thing about that too.
1: One of the things about our podcast that Anthony and I really worked hard on that maybe you don't know is that we really tried to make each and every podcast evergreen. Maybe not everyone fits that mold, but most of them we try to make so that if you got a chance to play a game that maybe had been out for some time or you want to revisit a classic, jump back. There are 300 available episodes on every podcast player, not to mention YouTube, not to mention BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And hopefully they will sound as fresh and as interesting as the day we did them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... A big part of this, because we like to celebrate things, we like to give stuff away. That's like literally our favorite thing in the world is to give people free stuff, which it's sounds true. silly, but you know, you guys give us support and help us out on Patreon and everything else, and then we just want to give it all back. Yeah. Uh, so typically when we do something like this, we run a contest, we're doing a contest again this year, and it is for our listeners' top 20 games of all time. We usually do this either the episode before or the episode after our top 100 update. This year, it'll be the episode after. So episode 301 will be our listeners top 20 of all time. And to do that, we need you to tell us what your favorite games are. Um, So if you head over to boardgamersanonymous.com, right there on the homepage or on the Facebook page, it should be pinned to the top. You will find the post for this. It's a contest. And all we need is your first and last name, your email address, and your list of top 20 games. If you provide 20 games in that note that you sent to us, you will be automatically entered into the contest. And what that means is at the end of this, when we pick a random winner, everybody who has done this will have an opportunity to win one of the games from the final list that I'm going to curate out of all these different entries. So a couple little things. Obviously, the game has to be in print. It has to be something we can actually get to you. So it has to be available to you locally, wherever you are in the world. Like, There needs to be a local store that has it in stock that we can ship it from. And it can't cost like 200 bucks. But other than that, we will ship you whatever from that list. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. We do this every time and we get so many great entries and our list changes. Like people have different top 20s and it's just fun for me to dig through these and build the master list out of it. So if you haven't yet, head over to uh, BoardGamersAnonymous.com or our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com slash BoardGamersAnonymous and fill that out and you will be in the contest, and helping us build Episode 301.
1: Yeah, we especially want you to get out there and represent because a lot of times we're telling you about our favorite games, games that we like, games that we want to talk about, but really our most important list, and the list that we really care about most about, is your list. We really want to know what you love, what you love to hear about, what you love to play, and sometimes people are like, you know what, you gave it that review, but I really feel like it deserves higher this is your chance. This is your chance to let your voice be known and everyone know how great those games are that you're able to get to the table each and every week.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and like, I literally just put this up like four hours ago. We already have 20 entries. So get in there. Let us know. (laughs) Definitely. the The more we get, the better, honestly. Data, data, data. I want all the data. So just, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, seriously, we've been talking for 300 episodes about what we like. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, (laughs) come on. You guys can look forward to four weeks of come on. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey, look, it's not a pledge drive. We're just asking to know what you like. We're not asking for money. We really appreciate your support, but uh, you're never going to find people who care more about you and your board game collection and what you love to game than us. So come on. I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's, it's the Italian You See, you can't see the hands. If you watch the, the BGA live, you could see a lot more of the hand movement. So you just have to feel the hand movement when I say that. I can see that, yeah. All right. So Anthony, if people did want to do some really cool BGA hand movement as they go, come on! But they also wanted to look incredibly cool, how would they go about that?
0: Well, uh, we have been talking for ever about getting a uh, merch up on the site and we finally did it so we partnered up with t public which you've probably heard of if you've listened to any other podcasts on the planet and we now have a store up uh n- linked on boardgamers.com so if you go to the website and you click at the very top on the merch button it will take you to our t public store right now we just have like some logos and some basic stuff up there but obviously we're gonna be adding more things and you can buy T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, masks because why not have <laughs> our anonymous people on your face uh, kids apparel notebooks mugs pins whatever there's a million different things you can slap the logo on or any of the other designs that we're gonna be putting up there so make sure you hit on over there check it out uh, let us know what you think let us know what else you might like there if you have a cool idea honestly let us know we would love to feature it on the store but this is something we've been meaning to do for a long time and, and it's exciting we're happy to have it up so we'll be we'll probably plug it for the next few weeks just to remind you that it's there but in the meantime you know head on over there check it out let us know what you think absolutely
1: again thank you for your support thank you for promoting board games anonymous every once in a while we see you guys on reddit or we see you on facebook representing and we really appreciate that it means a lot all right anthony so that looks like it's about everything for us this week Not to mention, again, BGA Live on Wednesday and BGA Live with Repro Productions. All right, now on to our feature. So for this week, Anthony, we've been highlighting this for the last couple of weeks. We are wrapping it up because we're getting on to our number 300 episode. See, I mentioned it again. Bing! (laughs) So let's, again, talk about a list that is also quite good. Board Game Geeks Top 100 of 2020. We will be going through Games 50 all the way to game number one. That's currently on the list for October 2020. If it changes or switches or swap, Board Gamers Anonymous disavows the entire list. But nonetheless, here we are.
0: Well, if that's the case, I think we're already disavowed. (laughs) Well, look, the 100 list should always stay the way it is, right? Yeah, it never changes. I literally got a message 36 hours after we recorded it, within an hour of the episode going up from a friend here in Pittsburgh who pointed out that two games had swapped places already. And I was like, come on, (laughs) board game geek, come on. (laughs) Just lock it down for like a week. Lock it down for a week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I say we're going to disavow the list if it switches up. We have no responsibility over that. We should also mention, Anthony, something we haven't mentioned that's been going on for the last month or so. Is that you may have noticed Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast, now comes out on Wednesdays. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's also true. I I thought people would be more excited, but even can't
0: get Anthony excited about this. So okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing that's happening. Yeah. And I mean, obviously sure. we want to have the episode up the same day that we are on BGA Live, so We're going to be referencing the episode. We talk about the stuff that we talk about here. We kind of summarize our question of the week. We dive into some extra information. So it makes sense to have the episode up before we broadcast every Wednesday night. Uh, Previously, the episode came out late Thursday, early Friday. uh, And now we just make sure it is up Wednesday morning every week. and, And you'll definitely have that before BGA Live goes up if you want to check it out.
1: All right. So, Anthony, with that said, let's finally get on to the feature review.
0: All right, yeah, we're gonna dive in just straight off. Uh, number 50, Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island. This is uh, Ignacy Trevicek's now classic. It's only eight years old, but it feels like a classic um, cooperative survival game in the world of Robinson Crusoe. There are, I think, six or seven different scenarios out of the box, but then in like another 15 or 20 through expansions and promos. Very, very deep game, very, very difficult in many cases, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite co ops all around. This is a, a definite buy for me, especially with the new version, which has better rules.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I love the card mechanic and the dice mechanic where you can ensure that you'll complete something, but it becomes dangerous. And obviously, as things occur, those cards go back into the deck. So, what might seem, you know, an innocent little prick on the finger might actually be something tremendously horrible later on so uh you know this is a great game this is really a great game I don't own this just because again as Anthony mentioned it's a very deep game and it has a lot of rules and complexity to it because it's multiple games in one box I would like to own this I don't own this and honestly I don't know if I will own this just because I don't think I'll ever be able to get this to the table that being said Having played this game, it is a buy. Solo it, man. It's scary on that island all by myself. I at least need a
0: volleyball with me. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think there's a volleyball. Maybe put a volleyball expansion. Yeah, that's there me. might be one, actually. <laughs> oh, is there? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right, number 49. Number 49, The Voyages of Marco Polo. This is one of my favorite games of all time. And we actually just did an episode about this uh, about three, four weeks ago on BGA Live. So you can hear us talk about it for like 90 minutes if you want to hear it. <laughs> Everything I think about the Voyages of Marco Polo, the rules, everything that's great about it, some of the things that are kind of wonky, what the expansion does. Fantastic game. Like super duper buy. If you find it, buy it. <laughs> yeah, contracts, buy. There's there's my
1: uh <laughs> my review and my my uh overall rating in a nutshell. Yeah, the expansion's a must. Definitely pick up the expansion.
0: All right, number 48, Alexander Fister's Maracaibo. This one came out last year. And it is a game in which you kind of just do these loops around the Caribbean and stop at various ports along the way, taking actions, placing out different cards, building a tableau, building an engine that you can do things with. The game could take anywhere from like an hour to five hours. It's very much that (laughs) terraforming Mars. Um, Too long. (laughs) So long. (laughs) It's in that terraforming Mars bucket of games that should be shorter, but it is not because of the mechanics. I really, really want to love this game. I own it. I've played it a lot. It's still just a play for me. It's so darn long and it does have some thematic issues. The legacy elements are not as interesting as they could be. Um, although they are fun once you get like 10 games in. So I don't know. It's almost there. It's almost there. Uh I think I like this one a little bit more than you still, though, right?
1: Yeah, I I think in concept as far as the mechanics are concerned. Conceptually the mechanics are great. Obviously he utilizes a lot of his other techniques from his other games. This game is just too long. And as you mentioned Anthony, it's a terraforming Mars kind of problem where maybe an expansion comes in and literally just pulls some pieces out or speeds the game up. It just overstays its welcome. It's a good game. I've played it multiple times. But I always feel like I could probably play two better games at the same point. So it's generally a dodge for me, even though I recognize the quality of the game. It's just too long. I even played the legacy version of it. It's fine. It's just I can't. It just yeah. takes too long.
0: I don't think I would play with more than three people again at all. I played solo. I love it a lot. But like with just more than two or three, it's just too much. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, number 47 we have from Mind Clash Games, Anachrony. This is like the world's most complicated and thematically wonky uh, worker placement game. And it's a blast. I love this game. It has so many weird just... It's just weird. It's a weird game. That's the best way to put it. You are traveling backwards and forwards in time. You're trying to prepare for this like world-ending cataclysm that's going to destroy everything around you, even though there's already been a world-ending cataclysm that you're trying to recover from. It's such a weird game and it works on so many levels. It's also kind of long. It's also a little overcomplicated, but it just, this one has a special place for me. It's a buy for me.
1: Yeah, I think this game is interesting on so many levels. As you mentioned, Anthony, Mind Clash always does this thing that reminds me of Jurassic Park where they could do it, but no one questioned if they should do it. And they did you know mind clash is like like the nolan films right it's overwrought it's unnecessary at some points there's huge plot holes but thematically somehow it pulls
0: through it's a play for me i like this game i own this game all right number 46 is Azul. this is the original of all the azules uh from keesling and it is it's a classic it's an instant classic it is just one of the all-time great um abstract games and there are now i think three versions of this plus multiple expansions for it i own this i own the two standalone expansions for this i play this and the other versions of my family pretty frequently it is an absolute buy it's just it's so much fun and it can be brutally hard and mean at the same time which is always a lot of fun in a game like this
1: yeah i think obviously it's one of those situations where it took a game And again, it's one of those situations where the production really just carries the game a lot further and the design and the artwork and everything goes along with it. And it's deceptively simple, but it it is such a sleek, fun game that it's hard not to like. I'm not a big abstract fan and I I really like this game and I bought it, which is weird, but I do like the game a lot.
0: All right, number 45, Eclipse. This is the first edition of Eclipse. I don't believe the second edition is on this list yet, but it is a big, massive, sprawling euro about space exploration, research, conquest, diplomacy. All the X's in here. I really wanted to love this game. I love science fiction games. I love 4X. I love euros. This game is too long. It's too brutal if somebody really gets into your stuff and it's not nearly as good for me as Twilight Imperium which we'll talk about later. It's a dodge for me. I really just want to like this and it just does not work.
1: Yeah, I, I think the challenge of this game is like you mentioned Twilight Imperium is out there, especially Twilight Imperium 4. Eclipse did get a reprint. It was on Kickstarter. I haven't seen a, it out there in the world. I don't even know if it's reached its backers yet. Has it? Has it reached its backers yet? Maybe by the time you listen
0: to it. I think I think it's floating out into the world as we speak. But yeah, I haven't okay, seen it so- yet either. So, again,
1: since we were doing this recording on Monday night and it's coming up on Wednesday morning, clearly it's going to come out. Everyone's going to play it before then. (laughs) Uh, So this might be a refined situation. I actually do like Eclipse. I do agree with you, Anthony. It's one of those kind of bloated kind of situation where there's just too many small rules as far as all the things go, as far as this game is concerned. That being said, it's still a play for me.
0: All right, number 44 on the list, Uwe Rosenberg's La Havre. In this game, you're building up a supply chain, building, collecting different resources, building industries and shipping. Really, it's about building these various buildings, producing goods, trading them in for other goods, and just trying to be as efficient as possible as all that. It's pretty difficult to teach. Your first game, you're going to be horrible at it, and it really has a very finite player count in which it plays best with three people. But if you get three people and they've all played before, and you can get it done in less than three hours. This game is spectacularly good. I do own a copy. I've only played it twice because it is very difficult to get to the table with the right people in the right time frame. But it's a strong, strong play. I want to say bye, but it's so hard to get it to the table at the right time.
1: Yeah, I think my first game of this, I played with a couple people who've never played before. And I think maybe one or two people that had played it just a few times. It wasn't as ridiculously abusive as I thought it was going to be but there is certainly some situations where if you don't make the right choices early on or depending on how many players you have you might just end up in a situation where you were supposed to sell or you were supposed to buy and now you're kind of stuck you know for the next round or two with no money so yeah. <laughs> it, it can be very painful depending on where where you're going in the game so yeah it's it's a It's a light buy for me. I I think I
0: would recommend this as a buy. All righty. Number 43 on the list is Through the Ages, A Story of Civilization. We're going to kind of pass over this because later on we get the update second edition of this game, which I think is what everybody's playing right now. But let's just say the game is good. Yep. I don't understand why
1: this game is actually here. And this is not the only case of of an older version still being on the top 100 list. I think if a new version of the same game comes out and it's basically a reprint with maybe a couple of tweaks, these games should be hall of famed. Like, yeah. hey, you had a you know a high position for a very long time. You created a new version, not a different version, a reprint of the same version. Um, you're out of the list, but you go up to the you know the higher
0: echelons. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it's picking up a spot here. I know so many other good games could be on this list. Uh Um, So speaking of good games, we talked about this one uh, not too long ago. Clans of Caledonia at number 42. Uh, This is it kind of mixes a few, you know, economic euro mechanics in with like that Terra Mystica style, like root billy type of player board mechanism. I love this game. I've played it 62 times (laughs) in the last 15 months a big part of that is board game arena. I play it pretty constantly on there and a lot of solo plays as well, but it's just, it's, you know, hands up. One of my favorite Euro games, I will openly admit it's not perfectly balanced. It has a lot of balancing issues, but it's just a lot of fun to play.
1: I play this a lot. Surprisingly, it's not a big game for me, but it has hit my table, especially late at night, multiple times. We did play this on BGA live. So If you'd like to go learn more about the game, we had a bunch of people play it. We did commentary over it, and you can again, hear a bunch of hours about Clans of Caledonia. You know, it's fine, but there is some serious issues as far as balancing is concerned, especially when it comes down to the Clans. So it's going to get the most lightest recommendation if you've never played it and you would like to play it. I would say play it. But again, it's not going to ever enter my rotation just because some of the clans are broken versus some of the other clans. So unless you unless you house rule it, you're going to have a bad time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, 41 Star Wars Imperial Assault. This one came out literally the week before my daughter was born because I got this for Christmas. I opened it that morning. She was born that night. And so I always associate this game with the birth of my daughter because I was like <laughs> washing and painting the pieces that morning. And then I completely forgot about the game for about three weeks after that because uh, we had a baby who arrived about a week early. And uh, this is like, you take Descent, you reskin it as Star Wars. They released content for this for about four years. I have every single expansion that ever came out for this. I have played like 5% of it. So I have to say Bye. Because the cognitive dissonance will not allow me not to say bye.
1: (laughs) I don't own this. I've never played this. I am actually a huge Star Wars fan, especially the whole Empire Strikes Back movie, which does have a lot of content here. I don't know. Again, it seemed like a very large box and a very large investment as far as the other expansions. So I slowly back away when I see it on sale. You know, just in case, because this is definitely one of those lifestyle games that you could
0: enjoy as your main hobby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number 40, Mechs versus Minions. This is a programming game from the League of Legends universe. But as Chris will, as you'll gladly tell us, has nothing to do with what League of Legends actually is, right? And it has nothing to do with League of Legends actually is.
1: <laughs> Let's get that out of the way.
0: <laughs> I own a copy of this because it was available and I bought it and I played a bit of it. And it was fun. I'm not a big programming game kind of person. I've never gone back to it. I'll give it a play because it's a fun game. It's not crazy expensive. The production quality is amazing, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I think the, the what's most notable about this,
1: obviously coming from Riot Games, is they hadn't produced board games. So when they announced a League of Legends game, everyone just blew up. I had played League of Legends since day one. I can tell you everything about the game. And when this came out, I was shocked that this was not, pretty much the game (laughs) that i had played and i was like oh no i i'm not buying this and then i actually got a chance to play it and as anthony mentioned it's a programming game which is actually a lot of fun and it's actually a really good programming game in fact most programming games are challenging at best and almost a throwaway just because it's just the programming is almost you might as well randomly do things because that's how the game plays out This actually plays out very smart. It's a good game, great production, still has enough League of Legends content to it that you will enjoy the game. And if you are not a League of Legends fan, you don't have to worry. It doesn't have as much to do with the whole universe, so speak. So you don't need to know that. For me, it's a play. I don't own a copy of this. I would certainly love to own a copy of this. But again, it's another one of those massive co-op games
0: that is just never going to be able to hit my table. All right, number 39 on the list, Zolk in the Mayan Calendar. This is the first official collaboration between uh, Simone Luciani and Daniel tushini and it's a brilliant game. It uses this just spectacular wheel mechanism to you place workers down, they move around each round, and you decide when you want to take them off the board and then that's the action you take. The base game by itself is somewhat not broken, but Borderlands solvable, like there are certain actions that make more sense to take at certain times. Uh, The expansion certainly adds a lot more depth to it. There's some promos that even expanded a little bit more. Obviously, future games build on these mechanisms even more. Um, So it's not my favorite of their joint productions or even like individual productions from either of them. But I do own the game with the expansion. I do like it quite a bit. It's a strong, strong play for me. Um, Zulkin.
1: Yeah, Zulkin was one of the big kind of grill games of all time it came out there it was huge and it was super complex so early on when i was hearing about euro games i had played a bunch of them and i was like never got that zolkin game and like oh let me tell you about zolkin it's all these moving gears and it's so intense and it's a worker displacement game oh no no worker displacement game and you have to feed your people and it just the you know the mystery and mystique about this game seemed insane But it's really kind of worth it. It really is that kind of wondrous, odd, unique mechanic, like literally the wheels move. I mean, it's really, it's pretty fantastic. This game is a play for me. I don't own a copy of this game. I would like to own a copy of this game. Again, the only thing that brings it down for a play for me is that there are relatively like three or four winning strategies. And again, when I play a Euro game, I want to have the option of just playing to have fun with it and not have to bring in a strategy for it. But again, it's
0: almost a buy for me. It's, it's a, it's, it's quite a good game. All right. Number 38 on the list, power Griff, Friedman freeze. This is what many people think of as like the quintessential Euro, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also one of the more interactive euros because you are jockeying for position on the board. You are running auctions every round for the different power stations. There are resources that you can buy out from under other people. It's a relatively mean game if you play it properly. And it is one of my favorites. I love this game. I have it along with like six or seven of the maps. I have expansions for it. I have a deluxe edition. Um, I even have the card game around here somewhere, which is not good, but I have it. So Power (laughs) Grid is definitely a buy for me. I would say this is a buy if you can buy
1: something past the initial base game. Because I think the... American map is a little lopsided as far as you know the eastern coast, but with the other maps this game is a is a buy And again it looks like a overly wrought um overly intellectualized math game, but really it's just p- almost purely kind of a you know press your luck bidding game that has some kind of network building to it so, Don't let the cover or the game itself kind of brush you
0: away. There is a lot of fun to be found in Power Grid. All right, number 37 is Everdell. In this game, you are placing your little creatures out, uh, worker placement style, and taking various actions, and then utilizing those actions to build cards in front of you into a tableau, and then activating those to get points and whatnot. Um, Mechanically, it's fairly simple. It's not quite gateway, but it's in that ballpark. And it's the production that everybody looks at with this thing. You get the big tree. You've got all like the fancy little resources. Um, The expansions add things like pearls and all these extra pieces and stuff. It's a very, very good game. I would even give it a buy. I really enjoy this game quite a bit. I'm a little miffed that's this high on the top 100. I think it's really good. I don't know if it's like top 40 of all time good.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it's top 40 of all time. The production is crazy good sometimes just crazy Uh, i do love the critters i do love the construction i do love how the buildings kind of pair together the text is a little small and hard to read for most gamers so that kind of runs into it that being said beyond the production and beyond just the elements of the artwork being fantastic i think the production artwork elevates this game higher than what it would be as far as the play is concerned but that being said the play is solid it's a buy for me Again, maybe not number 37, but maybe something in the 60s I think would be a good number for it. It's got a couple expansions out that might rise at higher. I haven't played with all the expansions, only played with one. So yeah, this is definitely a, a buy.
0: All right, number 36 on the list. Brand new game just came out a couple months ago. Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. This is not really a new game per se. It is Gloomhaven condensed and with a new story. But within a 25 scenario campaign, instead of the 109 scenarios in the base game, it's also only $50 instead of 150. And you can buy it like at Walmart and Target. So I have not played this yet. I do have a copy sitting around here somewhere. Gloomhaven is one of my favorite games. But I don't know that I necessarily I don't know. This is just feels like more Gloomhaven, like entry level Gloomhaven. So I don't know what to think about it.
1: Yeah, this is Target Gloomhaven, you know, your big box store Gloomhaven. For me, I don't own this game. I haven't played this game. I probably will never play this game. I've played a lot of Gloomhaven as it is. I do feel like, again, I know there's some differences as far as how this game plays out. That being said, I feel like this should almost be packaged with Gloomhaven because it's just more of the same. And again, I don't think this should be number 36, especially since this game just came out. I do think that there's a problem here as far as the rains are concerned
0: yeah there was like a whole conversation in the uh dice tower slack group that we're a member of about whether this should be considered for game of the year awards for 2020 Uh, because it is new this year but it's based on a game that came out a few years ago um i I mean you'll all find out what happens with that down the line but it was a very interesting conversation (laughs) and like the final verdict was just like okay (laughs) um just a little tease for what's coming up in the next few months there Uh, Number 35 is kingdom death monster. This is the mega mega hit from Kickstarter from five years ago. I'm still delivering content somehow. I have a copy because I found one used locally um, for a a song, but this is a 300, $400 game. So that was lucky. (laughs) I don't think I would ever bought it. Otherwise have not played it though. It is a beast. Even just to look at, you got to build everything. You got to glue it. You got to paint it. You got to learn the rules. It's like 50 pages have not gotten there
1: yeah this is another lifestyle game this is another game that if i did own which i don't but if i did own it i would have to pack up all my other games and get rid of them and just go This is my life now. <laughs> uh and i think obviously this is my nightmares because a lot of this stuff is really hardcore for a board game at least that being said i don't own it i've never played it i've watched a ton of videos on it i respect it to the nth degree i've seen it at conventions they do such a great job with their boots and the monsters and everything that goes along with this. This is another alternate universe. Maybe I play it there. I don't think I'll ever get a chance to play it in this realm of
0: reality. All right, number 34 is Blood Rage. It's is the best Eric Lane game. That's all I'm going to say. It's a buy. Ooh, that's, that's,
1: that's a big thing out there. But that being said, it probably is. Yeah. I own... I think all this stuff for this maybe there's some kind of yeah there's probably a couple of things here and there promo stuff that being said it is probably the best example of Euro game meets Amerithrash and it's short enough fast enough and easily explainable enough that you could play with almost anybody and the production
0: is great so absolute buy. All right, number 33 is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. We're going to get into some legacy games here, which we've talked about whether they should be on this list or not. I have not played Season 2 at all. I have it somewhere because I I meant to play it with the family and just didn't get around to it. But here it is. People like it. I've never played it.
1: I haven't played Season 1. I haven't played Season 0. I'm not a big Pandemic fan. That being said, I respect it to the nth degree. And yet I got to say... I wonder if this should also not be in its own category because it is a one and done type of game, but if you love it more power to you.
0: Yep. Uh, Mansions of madness. Second edition comes in at 32. This is a, uh, re-implementation of mansions of madness, obviously using an app to manage the game. A lot of people are not a big fan of the app, but this is one of those games that just did not work. It was fundamentally broken without the app because you make one small mistake and everything falls apart two hours into a game. So, I had a chance to play this. I actually owned a copy for a bit. It was really good for an Arkham game, which is not typically my thing, especially the board games. I was really into it. And you have there's so many different scenarios you can pick up now with all the different expansions and the digital expansions. Uh, I couldn't get this at the table. It wasn't for my group. It certainly wasn't for me playing solo. But I super respect this game. Uh, if you love Arkham, you love horror games. It's a buy. Yeah,
1: I've never played this. This is another big game that I think one or two of my game group owns. But again, since it's such a big game and since it's a game night, this is also another game that could clearly be a lifestyle game because there's so much to it. Again, major, massive respect for this game. Haven't played it. Don't know if I ever will. But uh, if you see a copy, let me know.
0: Number 31 is Root from Leader Games um cole Worley. this is one of my favorite asymmetrical type of games like this period i love this game i have all the expansions for it i have two of the plushies up on my shelf that my kids always want to play with i have some mats lying around here somewhere i have pins like it's just they're mascots it's fun this is like this is board gaming in 2020 or i guess in 2019 because 2020 is a nothing but yeah root is fantastic it's an all-time buy for me and one of my favorite games of all time
1: yeah, I really like this game a lot. I don't own a copy of this. I was supposed to get a copy of this, and then life and everything else happened. Again, the big challenge of this is making sure everyone knows how to play their particular little race of kingdom of little tiny wood meeple people. Uh, that being said, it's really great. I played a lot of times. I've had a lot of fun with this game, and uh, oh man, there's just so much good stuff to say about it. We don't have time. It's a bye.
0: All right, number 30 is Nemesis. This is the Awakened Realms game that kind of takes everything from the Alien franchise and turns it into a board game. You know, legally distinct, of course. (laughs) Um, Big box and miniatures. My local store just got a copy in recently. It was $150. And I was like, ooh, Nemesis. Ooh, no. Uh, (laughs) I have not played this. I'm not paying $150 for it. But a lot of people really like it a lot. So hopefully someday I get a chance to try it.
1: Yeah, I think this is a game that I'm never going to see at the table. We did have it at the game group. It was not liked by the Euro gamers, so it was cast out in airlock. So <laughs> I don't think I'll ever see it because I'm never going to pay that kind of money for it.
0: No, sir. Uh, number 29 is the old school Agricola base game, not the revised edition. Not a fan. I have not given this the best rating on here. It's a dodge for me personally, but I'll let you speak to it. <laughs> this is your kind of game.
1: It's a buy. Yay. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> it's agricola it's misery farming it's feeding your people it's trying to make it through the day the revised version is obviously even better again they shouldn't have multiple versions here on board game geek that being said if you know the cards or at least you're familiar with the cards this is probably going to be a great time that being said it is a brutal fun time there is a a certain level of just, you know, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And I did. And I, my feet my family didn't starve. And I'm happy
0: about that. So <laughs> it's the perfect 2020 game. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh 28 is Food Chain Magnet. I guess that's another good 2020 game. Um uh, sure. this game's brutal. It's long it's complicated. It is incredibly interactive for a Euro. Um it's actually one of my favorite games all time it's not my favorite splatter game but it is fantastic and you get a chance to pick it up or play it i highly recommend it the expansion while i haven't gotten a chance to play it with other people certainly seems to add a lot to it i love the expansion i think the expansion really opens this game up because as anthony said
1: you make the wrong first or second turn move you're gonna have a bad time you're just gonna have a bad time and again with the first Version of this game without the expansion, there are certain better paths to victory, so that does become a problem if you're not familiar with that. You almost want to follow what everyone else is doing until you figure out how to go about the game. But it is the most brutal of all brutal Euro games out there,
0: yes, sir. Uh, number 27 is the better of the Uwe Rosenberg farming games, Caverna yeah. the Cave Farmers. <laughs> This is a buy. I love this game.
1: Yeah, this is a buy. This is a very expensive game. I think recently I saw it come down to like 50 something dollars. Initially, a it was like $100 or yeah, I think it was like $199 a game. And this is back in the day where board games were not that expensive. They were about 60 bucks at tops. And this came in at 100. And I'm like, this is crazy. And then I bought it for 90. And yes, I really was happy about it. We actually reviewed this way, 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 way back. I think one of our single digit episodes or so. This is a great game. Again, as Anthony mentioned, it is, if not one of, if not his best games, in particular, the production's great. All of the cards are now
0: tiles and they're out there on the board and it's just a lot more flexible. So yeah, absolutely. Bye, bye, bye. Absolutely. All right. Number 26, The Seventh Continent. It's another one of those big, massive, sprawling Kickstarter games that could never exist without Kickstarter because of the cost of production. I have a copy with the expansion inside. It has like 2,000 cards or something in the box. Um, it's long. It's difficult. Uh, you lose a lot. And there's no way you'll ever get through all the continent. And yet there's somehow a second version up on Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> have not. <laughs> still, and then all that said, I still have not played it. So <laughs> there you go with Seventh Continent.
1: Yeah, I I think there's something about the game that as a game collector, I finally owned up to that. As a game collector, I feel like I should own this game because I think it's so fantastic as far as its mechanics and production goes. That being said, even if I owned it, I probably would never, ever play this again unless I was like literally on a desert island and then I'm probably going to play Marco Polo (laughs) or something else. (laughs) That would probably be a lot more uh, helpful. So, yeah, this is... I I haven't played. I wish I could play and I probably never will if that's actually a
0: rating. Yeah, no, I I can say that for a few of these. Um, (laughs) Number 25, Puerto Rico haven't played, probably never will. What do you think? (laughs) Played it.
1: It was, again, another one of those kind of like number one games of all time on this list. It's dropped down to number 25. The mechanics are incredibly solid. The theme is a little problematic to say the least. It's it's a really solid game. I played it. I like it. I don't know if I would recommend it as a buy because of the problematic themes to
0: it, but if you did want to pick up a copy of this, it's still worth picking up. All right. Number 24 is Mage Knight board game. Um, this is a game I absolutely love. It's a fantastic game I'm from Vlada Shavatel, and it is dense. It is got systems upon systems. It's difficult to learn. It has a bunch of expansions, but if you break through all those barriers and if you're only playing with one or two people, do not play this with three or four people. That is insane. You should never do that. Um, But if you're just playing with one or two people, it is one of the best kind of adventure dungeon crawly experiences out there because of the mechanics that are mixed in. So definitely buy.
1: Yeah, I've never played this. I've always looked up to this game because again, it was one of those games that was like the top number one solo board game of all time. But I heard about the incredible complexity to this solo board gaming is not typically my thing although i would love to play the star trek version of mage knight so again i don't own it i've never played it but you know again as a collector is concerned it's something that you should definitely look to add to your collection
0: absolutely uh number 23 is orleans this is a, another one of those modern classics only six years old but everybody knows orleans uh it has five or six expansions now just like the quintessential bag building game with the just a very stark uh, standout art style. A lot of other games have tried this mechanic now, and none of them really quite do it properly. So this game is is pretty spot on.
1: Yeah, Orleans does a great job. Obviously, with its expansions, it really opens up. Otherwise, it only has a couple of pets to victory. But if you haven't played this, you should absolutely play it. And if you have an opportunity to get this with either the minor promo expansions that are extra to the game or one of the big box, it's a buy.
0: Number twenty-two, a feast for Odin. I, I can't believe this game is four years old. It's, it's crazy; time's flying. Uh, this is my favorite Uwe Rosenberg game of his, like big box euros. It's not for everybody, but you throw the puzzle laying in there. You throw like the big sprawling sandbox worker placement. You throw all the different little things you can tack on. You add the expansion, which gives you a little more flexibility and like a, a little bit smarter of a board in terms of how things are laid out there. such a good game such a good game it's definitely a buy for me this is a dodge for me as you mentioned
1: this game's four years old and pretty much i'm still wrapping up my first game of this the puzzle pieces the polyominoes are ridiculous the fiddliness of having items on both sides are really weird how things kind of like you know click in add up it's large it's messy it's huge uh if you love it, more power to you. I respect that, but I'd rather play Converna.
0: Yeah, you take you take Agricola, I'll take this one. Um, okay. And we'll split Converna on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's good. it's good. Uh 21, Viticulture Essential Edition. This is I don't know, the fourth or fifth iteration of Viticulture when uh Stonemeyer finally just found all the different pieces from the various expansions, boiled them down, and said, This is the stuff you actually want to play. Yes. Um, the original game, fine. Not great. Tuscany expansion, fantastic, but a lot of stuff. Don't need all of it. Slam it all together. Weed some other things out. Throw in a few card decks. Boom. You've got the <laughs> Essential Edition uh, and it's, it's considered one of the all-time great work replacement gateway games. Yes. I I think Stegmeier does
1: this better than anybody, which is he re-examines his base games and expansions and goes, all right, I can actually make this better. I think my constant suggestion to a lot of board game designers is if you can, especially if you have a lot of expansions or if it's definitely up to, so there's way too many cards in the game is include an expansion that basically takes stuff out of the box and you put it in the expansion box and the authority expansion box in the garbage. So that's basically what Viticulture essential edition does. It takes the best parts, puts in the box, gets rid of the rest. It's a buy
0: number 20 on the list. Just from last year, the phenomenon that took the board game and just general community by storm, Wingspan. This game won all the awards from like mid last year all the way through this year. I like this game quite a bit. The expansion adds even more to it. The app is really good in Steam. Um, It's not my favorite game in the world overall, just the base game by itself. But I do appreciate what it's doing. I enjoy how accessible it is. And the theme is not just more killing orcs. Um, It's a strong play for me. Yeah, this is a buy
1: for me, and I play this with a lot of different groups of people. As Anthony mentioned, it's a wide audience. Obviously, Bird Lovers ramped up the price, bought this game out. Nobody expected it, except for me. Knew this game was going to be great. I said it way back when. This is just a really great game. What's really sets this game apart, if there is anything, is that it is a family you know, gateway game without ever having to sacrifice being simplistic. So when you play this game, you're building engines up, and you really do feel like you're doing something Euro game-ish without ever feeling like you're playing a cheap version of a Euro game. That being said, the base game does have some broken combos. So you could be playing your best game. Someone breaks out that broken combo or two, and there's a couple of them in the game. And you're just like, but I'm playing my best game. They're like, oh, that's that's sad. One two, one
0: two, one two. <laughs> <laughs> it's a buy for me. All right, number nineteen on the list: Arkham Horror, the card game. Uh, this was the second iteration of the Lord of the Rings uh, card game formula from Nate French uh, in Fantasy Flight Games, and in my opinion, still the best. This is just a fantastic card game that manages to weave in um, the mechanics that made the original so good with this overarching narrative and this system that allows you to play in multiple different ways you can play it with up to four people if you're playing multi-co-op you can play it solo and it runs really well um the decisions you make and the results of the games you play have consequences and carry through to future games um there's content now going back four years so dozens and dozens of packs of for this plus the recharge packs so like hundreds of hours of gameplay here if you want it Um, this is one of those games that would take me to the desert island because it's just so much content here. This is definitely a buy.
1: Yeah. And I think you said it best, Anthony, the story consequences that follow you really set this game apart. I don't know why this wasn't built into all of the LCGs. Maybe it wasn't thought of, but it's so awesome. and It's so creepy when you win the game or you lose the game or however you come out of the game, and like something's happened now and that's going to stay with you. And it's not just like, Oh, you have a minus two for the rest of the game. It's like, Oh no, there is consequences. Good or bad. There's consequences. And there was going to be consequences either way. So it's Arkham horror. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, number 18 brass Lancashire. This is the original version of brass. It's been renamed as Lancashire because there are now two versions. We'll get to the other one in a minute. Um, it, I have not honestly played this more than once in the last few years because they both came in. We played both Lancashire and Birmingham and we set Lancashire aside and said, this is very good, but this other one is better. And that's that's been my experience. So I honestly, I don't want to give Lancashire a buy because if I'm going to pick between the two, I'm going to pick Birmingham. It's a very good game. It's a classic. I love it. I don't play it. So Brass Lancashire is a play for me. Uh, I still own my copy. I'm going to keep it. But there is a better version.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I think you could easily argue that there is a better version. So why would you be buying this? That being said, if this does come to your table, it's absolutely worth the play. If you did have an opportunity to pick it up, you know, on sale or something, pick it up because it's it's good as a collector's edition to have.
0: But you're going to want to play Birmingham. Yeah. All right. Number 17. I'm going to let you speak to this one because I've only played it three times in the last three years. Concordia. It's a play for me. I like it a lot, but you've played this way more than me.
1: <laughs> yeah, Concordia is the game that I've probably played more than any other game, honestly. And that's a, that's saying a lot. That being said, I don't own a copy of it because every game group I go always wants to play Concordia. I've played all the maps. i played all the versions of it. It's a great game. It's It's one of my highest rated games. And especially it's weirdly a game I don't own. So at some point, If this ever comes on massive sale, I'll pick it up just to have it in my collection. But it probably always stayed sealed because, again, it always hits the table. It is really the quintessential, you know, trading in the
0: Mediterranean type of game. Number 16, Seven Wonders Duel. Here's another one we did an episode on very recently. Um, So just hit up uh, twitch.tv, Board Game Arena, and watch us talk about Seven Wonders Duel for an hour and a half. This game is spectacular. It's one of my favorite two-player games. It's an absolute buy. That is all there is to be said. <laughs> yeah, did it to all that. There's
1: I don't know what else you could say about it other than it being great and other than we played it on BGA live. I love the expansions, Anthony not so much. So, you know, try them out. See if you like them.
0: Yep. All right. Next up on the list at number 15 is Terra Mystica. Uh, This one came out, like, right as we were getting into board games, actually, like, or at least hobby board games at Myriad Games starting the podcast. Uh, That was my first play of this. I absolutely love this. This was, like, my first big heavy Euro. There have been multiple games since then that kind of have similar mechanics, including the sequel to this game that I like better. But I still have this game. I have the Merchants of the Seas. I have the Fire and Ice expansion. I plan on buying the other expansion if they ever release it with the modular boards. It's still a very good game. It just doesn't hit the table very often. And it's kind of in that brass Lancashire conversation where if you're going to choose between Gaia Project and Terra Mystica, you should buy Gaia Project. Unless theme really matters. But if if theme doesn't matter, buy Gaia Project. It's the better game. Yeah, I'm going to
1: go along with the same thing with uh, brass Lancashire, that this is such a great game that you should add it to your collection. So buy it if you can get it on sale. That being said, play it. That being said, for me, more or less, it's a light play to maybe a light dodge, just because it is a little cumbersome. There are better versions out there of this. So I'm going to typically pass on
0: this. All right, number 14, uh, the all-time best-selling, at least, Stefan game, The Castles of Burgundy. I own two copies of this, because I have the original with a few of the expansions, and then I have the new anniversary edition with all of the expansions, because it comes with that. Uh, and I've played this game many, 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 many times. It's the easiest Stefan Feld game to get played. And as one of my favorite designers, that's important to me. Um, it's not my favorite of his games, but it's very solid, very accessible. Not quite as sprawling in terms of point pointsality as some of his other games. So it's definitely a buy.
1: Yeah, I, I would go along with what you're saying there, as far as all the different possibilities are concerned yeah i i think the castles of burgundy does so many things right it's very much like a lot of great old films that are out there but have been improved so much in other versions of this game that again buy it because it's a classic buy it because it does things right that being said there are better games out there i own it i recommend it owning it too
0: number 13 spirit island uh this is the best cooperative game ever for euro gamers at least i it's, it's an easy buy it's just a spectacular fantastic game i love spirit island yeah spirit island does a
1: lot of things right and again it's one of those situations where it could have easily gone off a cliff because there's so many different things happening at the same time the expansions really make this game a lot better i would highly recommend it Otherwise, the game ends abruptly. Some of the spirits are a little harder than others. You really want to match things up. It's definitely one of those situations where you want to have a quiet game night so you can all talk at the table. One again, one of the best
0: co-op games of all time. Absolutely agree with Anthony. It's a buy. Number 12, War of the Rings 2nd Edition. This is my favorite game of all time. It's been number one for a few years. Uh, Just an epic cinematic experience. You don't even need to throw in the expansions, although they certainly elevate the game even further. But this is one of my few Perfect Tens, period. I think I have two, maybe three. And one of those might be Pandemic Legacy, so I don't know if that counts anymore. It's just a spectacular, amazing experience. I highly, highly recommend you play this at least once in your life. And if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, you should own a copy.
1: I agree with what everything Anthony says. One of my favorite games of all time, up there in the top tens. Number 11
0: is Scythe. Uh, I own a copy. I actually own the art connoisseur edition from the original Kickstarter, backer number three and all the expansions plus Fenris, which I've still haven't gotten around to playing. And I gotta be honest, this game's kind of gone cold for me over the years. I have played it several times, at least two, three times a year. And the last few times I've played it just has not stuck with me. I've been like borderline of getting rid of my copy for a little while now, just because I don't have the urge to play it. So this one's a play possibly boarding on a dodge at this point.
1: This game is a buy. I can't remember where it was on my top 100 list last time we did this, but it was very high. I think it might have even been in the top five. The Rise of Fenris expansion makes this a complete game. We already talked about Stegmeyer's games with Viticulture, that he brings out this concept. He brings out the expansions. They're all kind of out there. They're not really fitting well together. Rise of Fenris makes Scythe a complete game. It makes the game fundamentally better for so many different reasons I can't go into right now. That makes it a buy. Definitely play the base game. Go, huh, that was cool. Awesome artwork. Love it. Then jump right to the Rise of Fenris and you'll have a complete awesome experience.
0: All right, number 10 on the list is The Great Western Trail from Alexander Pfister. Um, This game's okay. I mean, I like it. I own it somewhere, but I think it's in my trade pile. Just because, and it's not even like there's nothing wrong with it per se. But if you play it enough times, and I've played it maybe half a dozen times, it starts to feel kind of samey. It starts to feel like certain moves make more sense to start. The expansion doesn't resolve a lot of those issues. It just makes the game really long, <laughs> which I don't know that I necessarily enjoy. Um, I would sit down and play it if someone put me in front of put it in front of me, but I don't think I would go back and buy this a second time. Uh, we've said this before. I'm always a little miffed that this game managed to move up so high on the list i know a lot of people really love it i just don't get it and that's maybe that's just a personal thing but great western trail is like a light play for me
1: it's a light dodge for me again it's one of those games that in concept works out very well the mechanics are pretty great that being said it's ultimately breakable i've played this game so many times i've never lost at this game and i don't know why that is I know again that there are just hats. There are certain ways to play this game that are just not going to be beneficial for the average player. The expansion makes the game longer for no particular reason in general. It's a decent game. I don't know why it's here at number 10. I can't complain about it, but I
0: do know that there are problems with it. Number nine is twilight struggle. Uh, I have still only played this game one time, six and a half years ago. Um, It was a long, brutal experience, so I never went back to it. Played online a couple times since then. Uh, I do have the new Imperial Struggle, which I know is not exactly the same as this, but I'm more interested in that. So I'm not going to give it a rating or anything, but it's a game where I just haven't had the urge to go back to it due to the length and the complexity. And I know it's like one of those games that everybody just salivates over, but it's just not for me
1: yeah i've never played this i don't know how this has happened i've seen it at the game table once or twice it's a two-player game i've heard the lore the history i own it on steam just never got a chance to play yet
0: number eight gaia project this is the sci-fi version of terra mystica that honestly fixes a lot of the issues that terra mystica has if you feel like it has any issues like it, it makes the board modular it adds a lot of um new uh mechanics it kind of fixes the temple track problem by building up this tech tree that you build up over time um this is a spectacular game. It has a really solid solo version. They've yet to release any expansions for any or anything. I don't necessarily think it needs them because it doesn't really have the imbalance issues that Terra Mystica had out of the box. Um, this is a buy for me.
1: Yeah, this is a play for me. I like this better than Terra Mystica, although I do like the theming and the artwork better in Terra Mystica. Again, as you mentioned, mechanically, this is a lot better. It fixes a lot of problems with the other game. It just does not carry on the artwork and the design from Terra Mystica. So it's a little bit of a bummer. Maybe if they could put both of those together, it would be a buy.
0: But for right now, it's just an ever so slightly dodged game. Number seven is Star Wars Rebellion. This is kind of, you took the idea behind War of the Ring and did it with Star Wars, where one player plays the Imperials, one player plays the Rebels. And you have the whole Toy box of Star Wars in front of you (laughs) to play out the trilogy, the original trilogy only because the good stuff, right? Yes. Um, Spectacular, asymmetrical two player game, really clever card play. I still like War of the Ring better and I'll put that higher, but that doesn't diminish what I think of rebellion. It's still a solid buy for me.
1: Yeah, this is a solid buy. Again, it's another one of those games that it transcends its IP. So if you're not a huge Star Wars fan and you're wondering if you should play Star Wars Rebellion, you should absolutely play Star Wars Rebellion. You don't need to know anything about the game. It plays great. It could have um, almost any other theme on it. But again, it's just fantastic. Just happens to be a two-player game, but an absolute buy.
0: Yep. And definitely pick up the expansion for that, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Number six is Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. So we mentioned this way back when it was the normal story of civilization. This is the new story of civilization. Uh, This is basically the second edition of the game. It's been updated. It's been tweaked. The rules have been revised. Uh, This is also the version you'll play if you play the app, which is, for my money, the best board game app out there. Uh, Just in terms of gameplay, in terms of writing, in terms of presentation, just very, very solid. Spectacularly fun game. It has it kind of falls in that category of games. Like I would never want to play this with four people at the table. Cause it would probably take six hours, but sitting down and playing with like two people playing it solo, playing it online, just so much fun. It really feels like a civilization game in ways that other ones don't always feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to piggyback on when everything Anthony said, it's absolutely a buy.
1: I will say one thing. It does take a long time. If you're playing with multiple people, the app is of course the best Board game out app out there. That being said, if you play with three or four players, you can gain agreements with other players that you don't get with a two-player game.
0: So that would be the only difference on that. But again, it's a buy all the way through. Number five, Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. This is not my number one game of all time, but it's probably my favorite gaming experiences of all time. I've played this game five times now since it came out three years mm-hmm. ago. Um, obviously, I've not played it in the last year because you know reasons. Uh, (laughs) virus reasons and every single play has been memorable it has been an all-day experience it has been like building friendships ruining other friendships rebuilding those friendships that were just ruined it's just such an amazing experience of a game so much goes into this you're trading things you're conquesting you're building you're maneuvering you're manipulating and at the end of the day only one person's going to win that game and everybody else is going to be like we were so close the <laughs> scores aren't that big um I, I just love playing this so much it makes me sad that they're releasing an expansion for this in the middle of a pandemic when i know i can't play it for months
1: yeah this game surprised me you know it was always funny when i started getting into board gaming i was an amerithrash guy and then became a Euro guy and then even became a Splatter guy in some respects and just got dragged over to a Twilight Imperium game. And I was like, clearly I'm not going to enjoy this. And I'm like, oh, no, this is is beyond. I mean, I think there's a couple of games on this top 100 that definitely go above and beyond, and this is definitely one of those. So again, don't be put off by anything about this game if somehow it rubs you the wrong way. You do want to sit down and play this game. It's an absolute buy.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Uh, number four is Terraforming Mars. This is the breakout hit from 2016 that we, um, well, Chris, you in particular, uh, knocked your way through the crowd to make sure we got copies of right out of the gate. Out of the gate. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it has not great artwork, pretty bad components. The box falls apart a little bit. The game's a little wonky and a little broken, but it's still one of my favorite games of all time just because, so many combinations, so many different ways to approach it. It has one of the best solo games in any Euro period. I've played that like 50 times by itself. Um, the app's not amazing, but it's gotten better over the years. And there's other games that have now taken this formula and done it a little bit better. But Terraforming Mars, just it's still such a solid game. And I always find myself coming back to it. And with the right combination of expansions, because some of them are duds, but some of them are very good, uh, the game does get better. Oh, absolutely. I think
1: it's definitely one of those challenging games that it almost feels like a Kickstarter game. Like some of the components are not complete. Some of the elements, the mechanics are incomplete. Somehow the game rises above it. It's a fantastic game. I don't know why it's number four here, but I kind of get it. I've had probably as close to the number of plays on Terraforming Mars as I had Concordia. That being said, It just has too much. It's just a little too bloated at this point. It definitely needs a Steakmeyer version where everything's slimmed down to the best of the
0: best. So that's why it doesn't rise to me for number four, but it's definitely still a buy. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Number three, Brass Birmingham. We talked about this before. This is the updated uh, version of Brass, which it introduces a few new mechanics. It changes the map a little bit. It adds beer as a resource that you need to deliver a lot of the goods that you're going to sell. Uh, Mm -hmm. it tightens the game up in several ways. It loosens it up in some other ways. In my opinion, it is significantly better. Lancashire is still a fantastic game, but this one elevates it up and is the reason that it manages to get up here to like the number three spot. It's an absolute buy. It's fantastic. And uh, if you're going to play brass, in my opinion, you should start with Birmingham. Absolutely. The best version of this, it opens the games
1: up. There's some variability that you don't get in the initial games. There's more ways to score
0: points. It's it's not such a rail system. It's an absolute buy. All right. Number two on the list, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. We talked about this before. Does the Legacy format, which you can only play once, and you're, let's be honest, you're only going to play it once. Does it deserve to be on here? Um, Now, when you play these Legacy games, you play them like 10 to 15 times, which is, based on the number of plays I have of most of these games it's comparable to how often you're going to play it, but you're going to do that in a compressed time period and you're probably not going to come back to it. So it's an amazing experience, but is it the best game, right? Or is it the best experience? So I I struggle with this a little bit. Like I gave pandemic legacy season one, a 10 because it was such an amazing experience for me and my wife, but it's not in my top 10 board games of all time. And I'm, like we're still working on our top 100 list and I'm struggling whether to put it on that list at all. Cause I'm like, I'm never going to play this again. And it's been five years now since I played it. Sure. So it's tough to keep saying this is like a top 100 game when I haven't played it in a very long time. So that does make it difficult.
1: Yeah. I've never played this one. As I mentioned earlier, I have the highest respects. It's one of the very few legacy games that actually work. That being said, i am never going to play this. It's a one and done type of situation. I do feel like this deserves to be in its own category with like the Hall of Fame games that it reached a certain high point. And since it's a one and done, it's kind of hard to see that this would be a board game that would just like you have a, one great experience. I've had a lot of one great experiences with games and then I've played them multiple times. Oftentimes we're like, hey, have you played that game multiple times? Yeah. What do you think about? It? Well, on average, I think it's this. So even though you're playing multiple versions of it, it is still a one and done type of situation. You either love it or you hate it. And that's really why it's this high up.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, So that brings us to number one of all time. It has not changed in a little while. It is Gloomhaven, Of course you haven't heard it yet. So you knew it was here. This is not a pure legacy game. They call it legacy ish, but it's really not. It has elements in which you are building up and making your character stronger. You have experience and they get new abilities and then they retire and you get new characters. And there's stickers you might place on the map and things that kind of live throughout the game. I know the the sequel to this, Frosthaven, which was on Kickstarter earlier this year, kind of leans into that a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a dungeon crawl. It's like any of the other dungeon crawl games, just with a little bit more refined and Euro-style mechanics. And there is dozens and dozens of scenarios. So if you really like yeah. the game, you can play this forever. There's 100-plus mm-hmm. scenarios in the base game. Another, I think, 20 or 30 in the expansion. There's a, a bonus thing you could have gotten from one of the Kickstarters, which I think you could still get with like 10 more, plus Jaws of the Lions, another 25, and then Frosthaven's like another 100. So if you really like the Haven formula, there's like 250 plus scenarios you can play. And that is a, I, I, you know, let's be honest, that's the reason why a lot of people rank this so highly. I love it. It's still one of my favorite games. I give it a very high rating, but it's an interesting case as well of, If you get to 80 plays, it's a little samey, right?
1: Yeah, I think I've played enough of this. I think I have something along the lines about 40, 50 plays of this. That being said, I haven't played the full game out. So I don't know if I should be giving a full review about this, but I played about 45, 46 games of this. It's a dodge for me. Again, it's deserves to be part of your collection because it's just you know, an anomaly. It's just, it should not exist. And it was the first game like that, that should just should not exist. And if it wasn't for Kickstarter, it probably would not exist. That being said, it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of hack and slash. It's a lot of your worst nightmare is becoming exhausted because it took too far to get to the guys you needed to defeat. So it just doesn't do enough different things for me. Now, Frost Haven supposed to be doing some different things. So if you love this, you should absolutely buy it. If you don't own this, don't jump in knee deep. You should absolutely try it at the table with somebody else. But for me, I've played this game so much and I keep waiting for it to be something different. And it has a lot of great elements to it that I just I'm in awe about the whole switching the different characters is fantastic. But again, it just doesn't do enough different things for me. And it's just such a time sink.
0: So yeah, it's still gonna be a dodge for me. Yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of people have kind of come around to that. Obviously not too many. It's still number one on here. But I still consider it a buy. But it's a tough buy. It's expensive. I would say if you're gonna buy this, start with Jaws of the Lion, unless you've already yeah. played this and you want to try it. But that's 50 bucks. Much easier entry point, same basic formula, a very good campaign by all accounts. So there are like layers and levels in which you can enter this world now without having to spend $150 on the base game. I absolutely agree. All right. So there you go. Board Game
1: Geeks top 100 list for 2020. Hopefully you enjoyed this long walk down 100 games And hopefully our 100 lists will be just as fascinating for you, just as exciting and just as controversial, in fact, especially when we get to our number one games of all time. So thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you on BGA Live this week, Wednesday and Thursday. All right, Anthony, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table.